0: All right, so you ready?
1: (laughs) You're in charge. That's That's, right.
0: It feels weird if we're sitting in my studio and you're in charge. That's how it should be. That's how it really (laughs) should be. Hey, guys. It's it's your boy, LT. And I am with Jeremy. And I figured, you know what? We did an interview in the chapel. But for this video, uh, it's going to be more laid back and casual. And besides, we need to really get that authentic living with a pastor vibe. So we're going to be doing a video right in his studio. This is where you do all the magic because you have your own channel, right?
1: I do. And uh, it started as a result of working for the church and making videos for the church that
0: then spawned into making videos
1: on my own channel that are designed to bless the church, but also the interwebs in general.
0: Yeah. So we have a fellow content creator and pastor. So we're going to ask a few questions about pastoring to really get a grasp on what it all entails. So let's just start off with the easy question: What made you want to become a pastor? Actually, I didn't want to become a pastor.
1: I vowed when I was yeah, exactly. My father's a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. My father-in-law was a pastor. Um, I wasn't married. I didn't know that my father-in-law would be a pastor. But okay. when I was young, I actually vowed and said a lot of
0: that is Also, life of being a
1: pastor. <laughs> yes, yeah. You can hear the the, the elephants upstairs. So I vowed when I was in high school, I was like, I never want to go into the ministry. I saw how hard it was on my dad, how much people demanded of him and how much he had to give. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be a Christian, but I kind of had this moment with God of saying, you know what? I'm never going to be a pastor. And then long story short, to condense my life story down into 30 seconds, I started working at a summer camp and a bunch of students from that summer camp said, you should come be our youth pastor. And I was like, you know, I really don't want to do that. I really don't. I don't want to. Uh, but I really felt the call of God upon my life "You know, you need to go do this. And then while at this church that I've been at since 2006, I felt just the urging of maybe you should go to seminaries. Like, oh, I really don't want to go to seminary. Don't want to do it. Um, and it, at, time after time, it took godly men in my life encouraging me, pushing me. So I didn't really want to become a pastor, but I started to find out that w- the way God had gifted me and the things that I valued lined up in the sense that no this makes sense and I love what I do and I absolutely feel called to what I do
0: but I didn't choose it it kind okay. of chose me take that through take us through that process what does it what does it all entail to be a youth pastor and then like moving into more of a traditional associate pastor role
1: yeah and so youth pastor youth director uh, they carry all kinds of different titles but I wasn't ordained as a youth pastor. So Mm -hmm. I might have been the pastor of youth, but I I was not in an ordained role. And so in in the denomination that I'm in, I'm Presbyterian, that entails certain things and levels to get to ordination. And so the title pastor in some denominations are similar to this. The title pastor is only reserved for those who are actually ordained. Okay. Uh, So the, the process, though in the denomination that I'm in was a multi-year long process of first going to seminary. Seminary isn't just for pastors. Seminary is for anyone that wants to learn more theology, doctrine, be pushed, because it's one thing to open up a book and read, but in the classroom, sometimes you're pushed by a professor Mm -hmm. to to learn more. It really can help. So if if you want to learn more, I would consider seminary. It's not just for pastors. But It is the place where pastors learn a lot of theology, not always the practical side. That's a whole nother conversation (laughs) if it's needed. But uh, so then during that process, you become a candidate in the denomination in in the EPC. I was a candidate for a time where I'm under care of the presbytery. They're checking in on me. They give me a mentor Mm -hmm. who's a current pastor to help me walk through the ordination process I meet with the the committee that in that will interview me before I get to the floor to make sure my theology is in within line in the denomination okay. so there's a lot of steps and that doesn't even include then finishing seminary taking the written ordination exams, which you have to pass, and then also being examined on the floor of presbytery Mm -hmm. where you're going to get asked questions regarding different aspects of theology, and you have to answer, and you have to be able to give biblical reference, and you really have to show that you not only can do the job from a character standpoint, but also from a knowledge Mm -hmm.
0: standpoint. So that's how you kind of then... Become a pastor, or a leader of sorts. Become
1: ordained, yeah. yeah become ordained. Yeah.
0: Then let's just say now you're in, you're at a church. Um, what does it look being a pastor entail?
1: So the the call of a pastor to serve a, a local congregation will look very different depending upon the needs of that congregation. So you can have congregational care pastors who are very much focused on care of shut-ins, care of those who. Are uh, in nursing homes and hospitals, you can have executive pastors who are very much on the administrative side, kind of overseeing the, the finances and all of the okay. other projects that might go on. My role as an associate pastor is I'm on staff, and I, I mean, you could probably best describe my role as a, as a family pastor. Some okay. might see it that way, uh, where I'm not the first chair. I'm the backup quarterback. It's good to be the backup quarterback. Yeah. There's certain things that, that as the backup quarterback, I don't always have to deal with, but then there's other things that are in my wheelhouse that I will take on that the lead pastor, the senior pastor won't. And so, uh, ultimately it's dependent upon what is needed in that congregation. But I would see based on my terms of call and my job description being, I'm caring for people through discipleship. I'm leading classes. I'm doing online discipleship and putting, uh, information out there for people to take. I'm leading the volunteers and leaders in youth ministry and children's ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm coming alongside parents. I'm counseling. I'm doing weddings, baptisms, taking sacrament or not taking sacrament, uh, leading communion and and those types of things as well. So those are some of the things that entail. But then there's also the other in the job description of like what we just experienced, which was we got a phone call and said, Help. A wedding's happening up at the church and there's a technical difficulty and I'm not supposed to necessarily be on for that wedding, but I'm also the technology guy at the church. I wonder, cause I, I play with technology all day. So th- there's a lot of in between, but ultimately the main role, the main focus of a pastor Uh, of any pastor is to focus the people of God on the word of God so that they can live out the great commission in their context. And so that's my calling and it takes different, it looks different in different scenarios, but that would be the overarching setting. Now, if I were to move to a different church and still have the associate pastor title, Mm -hmm. that could look completely different in that context. Mm
0: -hmm. What do you enjoy most about what you do? And what would be the most challenging thing about what you do?
1: I enjoy most about being with students, being with kids, being with parents, being with leaders. Like the relational side of ministry is really where I thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I can wake up every morning and do a Bible study with a bunch of people because I'm with people. Um, it's I actually sometimes struggle waking up early and studying scripture on my own because I just, my brain goes to mush. Um, so the relational side of ministry is really what has kept me fresh in ministry the administrative stuff, as we saw some of that too, yeah, yeah. Um, is challenging. And I, I've never been, I'm not the most organized person. You've seen that up front. Um, if you've seen my office, that I spend more time here than in my office, but I, I don't focus so much as on organizational as I do the relational. Mm-hmm. And that's probably my flaw is I need to spend more time. And it takes so much more energy of my time to organize than it does to, uh, build relationship, to disciple, to teach. Mm -hmm. Those are the things I love. I love preaching. I love teaching. I love doing those. Um, I love visiting people. I love those things. Um, filling out financial receipts and those types of things are a little bit more (laughs) tedious and important. They're very important, but, um, yeah, not as,
0: yeah. How do like when you go visit someone who's sick or something along those lines, um, well, how do you approach that sort of situation? Like I, I, I know that like the church I go to, my opposite like the pastors do that as well. I always kind of thought about it, I'm like, huh, I wonder what that looks like. Like, what do you say? Mm-hmm. What do you do?
1: Yeah. So there, there's a few ways to do that. The, the way that I've always come to that perspective is I have to, in my brain, in my mind, remind myself that as I'm walking into that room, I might be to that person, a representative of God, but God has already been at work and moving in that room before I Mm -hmm. enter that space. I'm not somehow bringing a holiness with me into that space. My role is more to be like this holy detective to try and help the people there see how God is moving. Mm -hmm. Um, But even before that, I would say the way our church is structured, even in our language of how we talk about things, we we don't have anything called pastoral care in our church. Okay. Many churches do. They have a, even a pastor of pastoral care, meaning the pastor will come visit. The pastor will go do this. We have something called member care because we believe it's biblical to use deacons in the role that deacons in the first church were used in. And you heard some of that as Pastor Paul, who we, whether you saw it on this pod or whatever, I don't know if it made <laughs> the cut, but he talked about the role of deacons in the church and how that was a kind of a, a drawback to those first apostles. Yeah. And how I think that, when we talk about deacon ministry, it's so helpful when I'm the third person that's visited, Mm. like not just family that's gone and loved on them, but a random church member who heard their friend was in the hospital or then a deacon who's brought flowers and the bulletin from that Sunday or whatever it might be. Um, Sometimes I am the first, sometimes I'm, I'm the first call on the person that's going. uh, And my approach is what I already said is that I'm going there knowing that Christ is already there Mm -hmm. and present. So I'm not, I, I actually have a really easy job. I just walk in and I try to be the the hands and feet of what Christ is already doing. And what does that mean? That means praying. That means looking at scripture. That means um, listening as much as possible, um, Mm -hmm. particularly if it's a situation where someone has uh, lost a
0: loved one or something like that. So also, like, um, obviously, when people think of pastors, they often think of sermons. What— when when it comes to sermons, um, how one do you sort of prepare for that, and two, do you actually enjoy public speaking? Yeah, um,
1: I I love I love the process of preparing a sermon. Um, it's not just knowledge; it's the it's the coming together and the combination of. The people, and I've had the, the blessing to be at the same place for 17 years. Mm-hmm. So I know when we go to church on Sunday, I know the people in the pews. They know me. They've seen me grow up in ministry, go from a 23-year-old kid out of college who didn't know very much to a 39-year-old dad who still doesn't know very much. But, um, and, and so I think that that process is more about what is it that the people need to understand about this passage? How can I read the text um, and apply the text to them mm-hmm. in 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 that in a way that helps the, them understand more about what this text is saying and more about how they can live rightly so even this week we're going to be looking at a small section of the Matthew 24 and the the Olivet discourse where That's a very challenging text to preach on. But even instead of taking the whole text, I'm just taking three verses. Mm -hmm. And some are going to go, well, are you pulling those out of context? Absolutely not. But I found that there's three verses here that are, there's so much depth that probably you could do a whole sermon series on these three verses Mm -hmm. that you have to sometimes slow down and balance the teaching with the preaching. And everyone has different processes of how that looks. For me, the way that I approach a sermon is, uh, one, I'm, blessed to not have to preach every week on the second chair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, no one has 52 good sermons in them. Oh. Not in a row, not in yeah, a row. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's people that, that, that have or very, very, very few. And so I, I love being part of a preaching team where we're able to take time and, and flop back and forth. And you take these weeks, I'll take these weeks and, and so on and so forth. So my process mm-hmm. will be a lot looking at the text, researching the text, I will spend a lot of time looking at the text before I go to commentaries. I'll outline it and then I'll kind of give my ideas and write them down. And then I'll go to
0: commentaries
1: after I've done that work. I'll go to confessions if they're bumping into any of the confessions, Mm -hmm. things like that.
0: And luckily we have the opportunity to see him preach this Sunday. So I came on a great weekend. It worked out.
1: Um, It worked out.
0: And how long does it take you to go through seminary so you can get to this position of being a pastor to be able to um, help? um, a church grow, help yeah. preach all that stuff. Like how long do you have to go through seminary? How long did that actually take you to get to that
1: point? So it depends. It all depends upon what you do. There's some folks, like when I started, I was going part-time seminary, working full-time and I would just take night classes and I came to the church and I said, listen, this isn't working. Uh, I, I need to be able to go full-time in the church. Let me go full-time to seminary while I was still working full-time. Mm. Um, and so I started on the Moses plan cause I'd be as old as Moses when I get out um, and there's some that are on that plan and, and God bless you if you're on that plan. Uh, but I was able to traditionally, it's like a three year, okay. most, most are, uh, so that, that was, I was able to finish in three and a half, four because I did the the commuting slowly. And then I got married we moved on to campus and it went a lot faster, but usually it's that, but again, there, different seminary programs do differently, different pastoral calls need different things. Like there's, there's some pastors in our presbytery who, haven't gone to seminary, but they're commissioned lay pastors. Mm-hmm. But they've been educated, and they have these skill set. I mean, one, one of the pastors in our seminary, or in our seminary, one of the pastors in our presbytery, who's a church planner, like his call doesn't necess- necessitate. His call doesn't necessitate that he have all of this doctrine and theology. Does he have the right doctrine and right theology? And why should we stand in the way of that? So there, there mm-hmm. are ways. And seminary isn't the only path to ordination. It just still right now is the most common. But yeah. I also think that that's shifting some.
0: Mm-hmm. And how many hours do you think in a week you, do you put into your work, your pastoral care? Like how, how many hours of work do you actually think you would put in a week?
1: It really varies. Um, I mean, if you were to average it out, I try. One of the things I, I love so much about my church is my church values me as a, as a person, as a husband, as a father. Mm-hmm. And they very much value the fact that my first call is to my family. Mm-hmm. And so they've given me space to be able to work from home and do those things. And so there's some weeks that, I mean, if we, if we're on a missions trip and I take students somewhere, you know, I'm on 24 seven, yeah, I'm sleeping, but I'm still in charge some yeah. weeks. Like, and, and then there's some weeks where, okay, there's a lot less that I've needed to do mm-hmm. weeks that I am preaching. Definitely a lot more time. Cause it's not the other weekly tasks don't go away. Um, and mm-hmm. so it can vary anywhere between 40 hours to 50 60 70 hours depending upon hey was there a funeral was there a wedding was yeah. there counseling was there uh, did I have to go do this or that and then some weeks in the summer it could be less mm-hmm. and so luckily I'm not hourly so I don't have to do a timesheet um, and August is usually the the, le- the, the slowest, Face to face, but the most preparation behind the scene is as we've been now. And that's
0: why he is able to have me here.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, and and, uh, there's been a part of my salary or time that has been able to be allocated towards digital content. The church sees the value, not even just to the church, but Mm -hmm. also as a great commission thing to say, like, I'm I'm kind of a digital missionary in some respects because I can. Take some time on a Tuesday, do a live stream, and reach people that the church never would. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about getting people to come to our church, though, if you're in the Pittsburgh area. 10 o'clock Sunday mornings, the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstone, you're welcome to come. But it's not about that. It's about building the kingdom. And mm-hmm. our church has a very big kingdom mindset, not just
0: a, oh, get butts in our seats. And now, um, before we close this out, because I think I have only like one or two questions left. One of the biggest ones I would say is that oftentimes there's a stereotype of PK kids or pastor kids, um, either being two one of two things where it's like um, they're goody-two-shoes that will never do anything wrong, or be they become rebe- rebels. Um, and normally, the reason why that is, at least, is because a lot of times um, kids will complain that if their dad's a pastor or whatever, that he's never home around, he, ministry has taken up all his time, I've talked to a lot of people who have that issue. So how do you, as a pastor... Um, find ways to have a healthy balance between pastoral care and your family. Cause especially when it comes like, obviously men can have a problem of being workaholics in general, no matter if they're a pastor or not. Sure. But when it comes to pastoral care, oftentimes you can justify it by saying, well, I'm doing God's work or I'm doing ministry. I'm doing something that's, um, a general good for society. It's not just like I'm making money and working. Um, so you can kind of justify it in your head that I'm doing something for God. Um, so how do you find ways to balance family and ministry?
1: It was modeled really well for me, being a PK myself. Um, my dad was present at everything. My dad brought me with him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was very, and he was—he's a pastor of a church that needs him, and he's a solo pastor. And anyone who's a solo pastor knows the challenges that there's no one else for you to rely on mm-hmm. in that role. And so, it was modeled really well. I failed at it in, in many different ways. But the, the, the way that the church again has for my church in my context, for me personally, um, the, the freedom that I get with my schedule, knowing that if I'm not sitting in the office from 9am to 3pm or whenever the office is open, Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that ministry isn't happening. Uh, also the, the fact that I, my wife works full time. And so I love the fact that I get to be oftentimes The one who gets my kids up, the one who wakes them up, feeds them, gets them ready for school and drops them off at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And my youngest is only half day. So she's with me for half the day. And so what does that mean? She's coming into the office. We're going to lunch meetings. You heard a story recently about when I took my kids to uh, a a meeting or I'll take them downtown when I have meetings downtown or like – I want to involve my children in what I'm doing. The, the biggest challenge is I, I see my children a lot. It, the relationship between my wife and I is challenging with young kids and everything else and schedules that it's hard to balance, mm-hmm. but um, I've come and wrestled with, and the church knows that if there's a conflict and it's either me or my family, they, or not, uh, let me say it again. Yeah. That shouldn't be the conflict. The conflict should be either. Is it my family or is it the church? They know I'm ch- choosing the church.
0: <laughs> okay. Fraud and slip. Exposed. Yeah.
1: We found out the truth. They found out the truth. They know whether it's. <laughs> bump rewind. He's picking the church every time. Yeah. Uh, the church knows if it's a decision between my family or the church that I am choosing my family. And that has come up time and time where there's been things I've had to say no to. And I can't do that. You saw today, there was a wedding happening at the church that I could have been working at. But Friday, yesterday, when they needed the rehearsal was my anniversary and I wasn't going to take away from that. But I was fine having Dylan come right. or fine having LT come and visit um, because I value that friendship. So that's some of how I do it. Um, every pastor is different, but I would encourage those who are considering ministry or in ministry, like make it a priority and make it known that it's a priority. Say it that it's a priority, put it on the calendar and really guard that family time. Uh, there's times where it falls through and I do have to say to my family, Hey, I have to go right now, but I've built up in the bank, like the storage of I'm here all the time that when I do have to leave, it doesn't feel like, Oh, here he goes again. It more is, Oh, dad actually has to go right now. So,
0: yeah. All right. And before we close out, um, is there any uh, final things you want to say or stereotypes or something of pastors that you want to address or anything like that?
1: Check in on your pastors. If you have a pastor, take them out to coffee. Just call them up and say, hey, let's go get coffee. Would love to hear how you pastor doing. doesn't
0: like coffee. So.
1: Take them out to lunch. Everyone <laughs> has to eat um, and pay for the lunch. Don't let it be a ministry thing. Let it be something where you support. It doesn't. The pastors oftentimes are lonely.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think that, that they're more isolated than anyone else in the church because they don't get to worship and engage the community and the body of Christ in the same way yeah. that congregation members get to. And I
0: think also sometimes there's this view of um, they don't necessarily have friends in the, in the church. Like there has to be the boundaries. There, for there, sure. There's like, there's like, well, if the pastor, you know, tries to give, um, gets too personal, that can start creating yeah. problems. Yep. So they normally have to, at least the, The ones I'm familiar with who are pastors, they normally have friends outside of the church who are really close with.
1: Yeah, and I've got colleagues outside the church. I've got, I mean, I've loved the Why Jesus Network. If you haven't followed that, go check Why Jesus Network. Connecting with some of the creators online in the online space has been really helpful to me. Because otherwise, it's still just my own little version of Christian bubble. Mm -hmm. And we come from different traditions and different backgrounds and believe different things. But we can still be in community. So I think, but many pastors don't have that. And majority of pastors are solo pastors in small congregations and rural. And so that's not even uh, colleagues in ministry that the nearest church might be miles or an hour drive away and it doesn't, there's no connection. So check in on your pastors. Don't just check in on your pastors in October when it's pastor appreciation month. We do appreciate it when we get (laughs) gift cards then, but like just show them that you care and that you love. And if your pastor has not had a sabbatical and he's been your pastor for more than seven years, you go into the the board director's office or whatever, and say we need to give him a sabbatical, twelve weeks. Let him go away and refresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, be a champion for the rest of your pastor. And uh, I think that that'll that would knock their socks off because more often than not, the the questions or the emails are people that need something, not want to offer something. Yeah. And I think that's that's true. We're here to serve, but at the same time, um, yeah, it it's so nice and welcomed when someone comes, no strings attached and Mm -hmm. says, let's go do this or, Hey, I've got an extra ticket to the pirate game. You want to come with me? Like things like that, um, that pastors would jump at the the chance of that. Mm -hmm. And don't necessarily look at it as just, I have to keep my pastor at arm's distance, but this is a spiritual health checking in on them. So that would be, that'd be my plea to you. Um, as, as a young pastor ish, young pastor, young ish, not compared to you, but compared to other people, Um, it's, it's, it's super helpful when people do that, um, and, and support me and my family and say, Hey, how can we help you? How can
0: we love you? All right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jeremy, for sharing. Um, and of course I'll have his links in the description below if you want to check out his content as well. Well, where are we headed right now? We are heading to another church.
1: So there may or may not be another video to go check out after this one.
0: Maybe I need to do the big transition. as they say The Mm white. All right. Anyway. Thank you and go out there and light the world. All that good jazz. See ya.